0: Thank you very much for that special music. Certainly in the times we're living, we need to focus on just how great God is and His power and His might and His glory. Well, greetings to all our brethren and friends around the world. We're having a chilly day here in Charlotte. Uh, The temperature is forecasted to go down to 20 degrees tonight. That's only 12 degrees below freezing. But we do have warm hearts and uh, warm fellowship here today. The Arab Spring, as it's been called, featured the overthrow of harsh, harsh governments with the hope of more benevolent governments. The grassroots movements were motivated. They had a passionate mission. In Egypt, the grassroots movement gained momentum when a man named Wael Ghonim was shocked by seeing a photo of a dead student who had been tortured by the Egyptian police. His passion led him to utilize the power of Twitter and Facebook. He actually had 4 million that accessed his messages on Facebook, a 100,000 on Twitter. I heard the NPR radio interview with Wal Gonim on radio just a couple days ago. He's written a book titled Revolution 2.0. The power of people is greater than the power or the people in power, a memoir. On page 60 of that memoir, Mr. Gonim writes, quote, All young Egyptians had long been oppressed, enjoying no rights in our own homeland. The page name was short and catchy, and it expressed the compassion that people immediately felt when they saw Khaled Saeed's picture. I deliberately concealed my identity and took on the role of anonymous administrator for the page. The first thing I posted on the page was direct and blunt. It voiced the outrage and sadness I felt. Today they killed Khaled. If I don't act for his sake, tomorrow they will kill me. In two minutes' time, 300 members had joined my page. Later he writes, as the PAGE's membership grew, so did my personal commitment. Hundreds of thousands were moved and committed to peacefully demonstrate against the government. Initially, a 100,000 were instructed to meet at Tahrir Square in Cairo. They were motivated to change the situation. They had a purpose. They had a mission. Do we ever get intense and as purposeful in our mission. Of course, there's a major difference in some of the missions in the world. Some of those are for physical war, but our mission is of spiritual peace. So my question today for you is, how committed are you to Christ's mission? Christ has given us a purpose, a work, and a mission. How dedicated are you to that mission? And how would you describe your personal mission? How would you describe how committed you are to that mission? All great victories have been won with superb leadership and team effort. And God has used men to lead and to accomplish. True leaders are true servants. And God is the greatest servant of all. He serves the whole universe and everything on earth. And in this end time, God the Father and Jesus Christ have used a faithful servant who at this point in time has been an ordained evangelist for almost 60 years. He has an organized team, including the Council of Elders, the congregations, the very body of Christ connected together all over the world. And we have an international headquarters here in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Living Church of God has articulated its mission. The foundational elements of that mission are stated in our official statement of fundamental beliefs. And we often expound on that mission and expand them based on the foundation. Dr. Meredith has often emphasized our mission. In the May-June 2009 Living Church News, Dr. Meredith wrote an editorial Titled, The Purpose of God's Church. The mission explained our purpose and mission in several points, which he's called the Sevenfold Commission. So today we want to examine ourselves with respect to our calling and our mission. And as we review these seven goals and purposes, we need to ask ourselves, am I committed to personally support each of those missions? Am I zealous for God's work and mission? Or am I indifferent? Am I Laodicean? Further, I want to challenge you to select one of those seven missions and strive to apply it in your life this coming week. The title of the sermon today is Your Incredible Mission. First, let's take a look at some of the attitudes and commitments that individuals have had towards our mission in life. Let's turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter, Matthew 25. Here we have the parable of the talents. There were several who were dedicated to their mission, and Jesus said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's Matthew 25, verse 21. But there was one individual who didn't have a dedicated attitude. Matthew 25, verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, "'You wicked and lazy servant! "'You knew that I reap where I have not sown "'and gather where I have not scattered seed. "'So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, "'and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. "'Therefore take the talent from him "'and give it to him who has ten talents.' For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a sobering warning for us on the one hand, and yet an encouragement on the other, to be faithful stewards, to be faithful servants. And, of course, there are examples of others in the Bible who were not dedicated to their mission. Were the apostles of the New Testament dedicated to their mission? Let's turn to Acts, the first chapter. I think most of you have seen Mr. King's telecast on the apostles' prophetic journeys and demonstrated how, yes, they were faithful. They went to different parts of the world. Acts, the first chapter. What was their mission? Acts 1 and verse 4. Jesus Christ had been with his disciples 40 days. Acts 1 and verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. is still ongoing. How dedicated are you to that mission? How how committed are you to Christ's mission? Let's take a look at a couple other examples of dedicated individuals or nations at a point in time when they were dedicated to their mission. Sometimes that is a response to injustice. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, as president, gave an in his passion speech before Congress when Japan had attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And then after 9-11, President George W. Bush spoke to Congress when the two towers of the World Trade Center came down and thousands were destroyed. On September 20, 2001, he declared war on terrorism and stated, quote, Great harm has been done to us. We have suffered great loss. And in our grief and anger, we have found our mission and our moment. Freedom and fear are at war. The advance of human freedom, the great achievement of our time and the great hope of every time, now depends on us. Our nation, this generation, will lift a dark threat of violence from our people and our future. We will rally the world to this cause by our efforts and by our courage. We will not tire, we will not falter, we will not fail. The United States was motivated. It was outraged at the terrorist attack on United States soil. Mr. Bush talked about the advancement of human freedom. But the advancement of human freedom depends more on God than it does on us. Nonetheless, the nation was shocked and angered, and the nation was motivated to fulfill a mission. Sometimes the mission is unclear. Both in the Korean War and in the Vietnam War, body counts, that is the number of dead enemy, not the conquering of territory, was a significant criterion for success. As a result of limited war, General MacArthur was fired from his position by President Truman. A war strategy policy had changed and President uh, General MacArthur objected to limited war. In his farewell address to the joint session of Congress in the United States, he proclaimed, in war, there can be no substitute for victory. Dr. Meredith addressed the staff meeting here this past uh, Wednesday. And as we heard in the announcement, he emphasized the importance of our mission. But he also said, we are at war. We are in a spiritual war. And there can be no substitute for victory in a spiritual war. But God gives us the victory. We have our part, as we heard in Dr. Meredith's sermon two weeks ago on how to overcome Satan and Mr. League's sermon last week. Let's turn to Romans, the 8th chapter. What promises do we have for victory? Because we have a mission, and that mission has many different elements to it. Romans, the 8th chapter. Here's a wonderful promise God gives us, and this is an outstanding, inspiring chapter. you want to read all of Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us... Who can be against us? As we heard in the sermonette, we have the power of the universe behind us. We have a glorious future ahead of us. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Yes, the universe. The Greek is ta panta, meaning the all, everything that's seen, everything that's unseen and so god says who is for if god is for us who can be against us we have that awesome promise i won't turn there but 1st corinthians 15 verse 57 it tells us but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ so what is your attitude towards our mission first of all we need to know our mission what is your personal mission statement. I asked our guests at dinner last night, and one individual said his mission was to do God's will through Christ in him, and applying Second Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. I've mentioned to you before, and I don't want to mention it too often, but one of the profound questions we can answer is what would you like on your tombstone to summarize your whole purpose and your whole life? And I've thought of it many times, and I think what I would like on mine is that here lies Richard Ames. He was an overcomer and turned many to righteousness. Now, you may have a different one that's very appropriate and certainly profound and significant as well. But I want to mention also that you teenagers can make your own mission statement. What is your goal in life? You children can make up your mission statement as well. We did have a sermon, number 436, titled, What is Our Mission Statement? But I want to ask you, what is your mission statement, your personal one? And if you hesitate too long, it might show you just how little you are committed to a mission in life. If someone asks you that question, will you be able to immediately respond? Oh, yes, my mission is, because I've thought about it. I'm dedicated to it. I'm committed to that mission. You know, the signers of the American Declaration of Independence were committed. Of course, their attitude towards Great Britain has been debated. They had a political cause. We have a spiritual cause. But notice the declaration they signed. The Declaration of Independence concludes, And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Let's turn to Luke, the 14th chapter. Again, we do refer to this, and as we think about the Passover coming up in less than eight weeks, I think it's eight weeks from last Thursday night, You want to consider how deeply we are dedicated to the cause of Christ and God's work. Luke 14, verse 26, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate or love less his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. This is not an easy question to answer. It's not an easy commitment. It one that takes trials and tests and some of us who have been beaten down and then realize we need to surrender our life to Christ and love him and love God the Father more than any other human being and he says, and his own life also. So how committed are you? There are those who have been willing to give their lives in war, of the Crusades, and to even give their life for another person. On March 30th, 1981, President Reagan was exiting from a building where he had given a speech. He was about to enter the limousine when John Hinckley Jr. fired six shots within 1.7 seconds, hitting four persons, including the President. One of the Secret Secret Service agents uh, next to the President pushed him into the limousine and the secret agent, Tim McCarthy, was shot in the abdomen as he put his body over the president. These men then, and many today, I just happened to see, a I think it was a National Geographic uh, documentary on the Secret Service just a few nights ago. And these men today are dedicated. They will take a bullet for the president. They are willing to die in order to protect the president of the United States. The mission statement of the Secret Service is as follows. The mission of the United States Secret Service is to safeguard the nation's financial infrastructure and payment systems, to preserve the integrity of the economy, and to protect national leaders visiting heads of state and government, designated sites, and national special security events. Jerry Parr, he was also one of the agents that pushed President Reagan into the car, And Tim McCarthy were willing to take a bullet for the president. They fulfilled their mission instantaneously to save the president's life and 1.7 seconds to react. You just count 1,001, 1,002. When six bullets are shot in your direction, how fast would you react? But they had that mission embedded in their heart and mind to instantly respond in that dangerous situation. And the president's life was eventually saved, of course, he the bullet lodged within uh, an inch of his heart. You know the story that when he was there in the hospital, uh, President Reagan was still alive, the surgeons were about ready to operate on him, and he, he said to the surgeons, the doctors, he said, I hope you all are Republicans. <laughs> and of course, President Reagan, the doctors responded, Mr. President, Today, we all are Republicans. So they knew that they had a mission themselves. Let's turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Yes, we all should be willing to give our lives to save someone else. I'm sure, parents be willing to save their children, and, and some have perished in the process trying to save a child who is drowning. But the father drowned himself. A very tragic. But they're willing to sacrifice their lives. But Christ, through the Apostle Paul, says we need to be willing to be living sacrifices. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our own selfish interests to serve more effectively. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or intelligent service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God has called us to be living sacrifices. And I hope that all of us have made a life commitment to the kingdom of God and to our Savior and to our God. The remainder of the sermon, let's briefly discuss the sevenfold commission outlined by Dr. Meredith in the May-June 2009 Living Church News. Dr. Meredith wrote an editorial titled, The Purpose for the Church. He writes, quote, Dear Brethren, I hope that all of you will catch the vision and join us in fulfilling this seven-fold commission. Of course, it could be worded or structured differently, But these key elements of Christ's commission to his church, as outlined above, can be broken down into seven parts. I'll not mention all seven, but I'll just go ahead with one at a time. Number one is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and the true name of Jesus Christ. Acts 8 and verse 9. If you'll turn there. Yes, The church, and you are the church, is dedicated to preaching the gospel of the kingdom and the true name of Jesus Christ. Our former association said, well, we need to love Jesus, but they were talking about a different Jesus. They were talking about a Jesus who did away with his father's law and his commandments and... Uh, did everything to fulfill the law, and so we don't have to do anything. We don't even have to follow his example. That was a wrong Jesus. Acts, the 8th chapter, starting in verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, and, note this, the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And so we have as a mission statement that we preach the gospel of the kingdom and the true name of Jesus Christ. We all know Matthew 24:14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And we know Mark 1 and verse 14, that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, Repent, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We know, of course, Matthew 28 verses 18 and 19 and 20, that Jesus said we need to go into all the world, that all power is given unto Him. Well, we might just turn to that, Matthew, the 28th chapter, Matthew 28, and understand that how can we preach the gospel? The reason we can is because Jesus said, I have all power, I have all authority. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So that's how we have the backing. We have the authority to go forward. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in, it should be, into, the Greek word ice, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us now. And we have a wonderful team to preach the gospel and to go forward into the world. Mark 16:15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned or judged. So Christ is the one who opens the doors and closes doors for the preaching of the gospel, as it tells us in Revelation 3 and verse 8. In recent months, we went on a new station, Angel Network, which is reaching new people and is very cost-effective. Now, another major network has opened up to us in Australia. And in 2011, we held more than 120 campaigns or TWSPs around the world. And already in 2012, we've had those campaigns in Jamaica and uh, Mississippi. And Dr. Douglas Winnell will be giving a campaign in Braselton, Georgia, uh, where we have a congregation. I think that's next Sabbath. And uh, then after that, he'll be in Barbados and, and Trinidad, um, backing up, uh, of course, Dr. Scott Winnell will back up uh, those presentations by Dr. Douglas Winnell, And um, I'll be preaching to the cowboys in Dallas in March. That's Dallas, Texas, that is. So God is using us to preach the gospel very effectively. How can you support this mission statement? Well, I'm not preaching the gospel in the true name of Christ, How? but you can support that mission statement. How can you do that? Well, obviously, you can pray for the success of these campaigns, as Dr. Meritha likes to call them, and pray for more open doors for the gospel, new stations and networks for television, new doors through technology, the Internet and social media. And as I've challenged you before, if you really are an ambassador for Christ and you are supporting the preaching of the gospel, you'll know the television station designations here in Charlotte to tell others where they can reach Tomorrow's World Telecast. And, of course, that's W, if I have to remember myself, WGN on Channel 19, on that is Time Warner Cable, 6 o'clock Sunday mornings, and WAXN, which I believe is Channel 10, at 7 o'clock. And then Monday nights at 7.30, where my wife and I normally watch it on Time Warner Cable, is Channel 18. And then we, of course, on uh, other Dish Network and... uh, other networks, cable and satellite networks, which you can get the telecast. But know where you can tell people to see the telecast and to see the gospel and encourage your friends and relatives to watch the telecast. And, of course, give them access, that is, let them know about tomorrowsworld.org and lcg.org so they can learn more about the church and its mission. How else can you support this mission statement? By reading the publications. We have now 29, or is it, uh, we're going towards 30 booklets uh, that are available. And, of course, they're online on our website as well. So read the publications. Keep up to date where Christ is leading. My sheep hear my voice. And Jesus said in John 10, verse 37, I believe it is, And if you're following Christ's voice, where he's leading, you're reading the editorial by Dr. Meredith in Tomorrow's World magazine and the Living Church News. And you're examining your relationship with Christ if you're going to support the true name of Jesus Christ. As I said, the Passover is less than eight weeks weeks away. And critics have claimed that we preach too much about Christ. But we're not embarrassed about our Savior. We proclaim Him as the coming King of kings and Lord of lords. No one here should ever be embarrassed about saying, I am a Christian. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have that personal commitment and that intimate relationship with God the Father and with Christ. So number one of sevenfold mission statements is preach the gospel of the kingdom and the true name of Jesus Christ. Number two is to preach the end-time prophecies and the Ezekiel warning to the Israelitish peoples. The great tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. God is going to judge all the nations, but he's going to, in love, punish his people— the British and American-descended peoples. Let's turn to Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. Ezekiel 33, and verse 7. Ezekiel 33, and verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. We've been doing that. We'll continue with God's help and with our commitment and your support. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, verse 11, as I live, says the Lord Eternal, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Very sobering, very powerful warning. How can you support that mission statement? You can support it by being alert to world news. You can apply Luke twenty one thirty six, which you know by heart. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So you want to read the news and prophecy section of the world ahead. Uh, Mr. League mentioned that we have 50 copies out here of this week's. Uh, news report, and I believe we have some left over from last week out on the information table as well. You may want to start your own topical study of interest in watching world news and prophetic trends, whether maybe, I know we had one lady years ago, had uh, her own uh, filing system, she had a section on weather and natural disasters, she had another one on crime and violence, another one on regional wars and conflicts. Uh, of course, some of you may already have uh, your own filing system, whether in your head or elsewhere, on the global financial crisis that has affect all of us. How else can you support this mission statement? Read the United States and Great Britain in prophecy again. When was the last time you read that booklet? Make it your mission this week. And remember the ultimate good news for those who survive the Great Tribulation Over a couple pages in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, starting with verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. So it's a very encouraging promise that God gives beyond the great tribulation. So to fulfill this particular Mission statement, preach the end-time prophecies and the Ezekiel warning to the Israelitist peoples. You can support that. You can support it by reading even our other booklets on prophecies, such as 14 Signs, Armageddon Beyond, the Middle Eastern Prophecy, the Prophecy Fulfilled, the Revelation Unveiled, and uh, the Beast of Revelation. So keep up with what's going on in the world and know prophetic trends. Number two preach the end time prophecies and the ezekiel warning to the israelitish peoples number 3 feed the flock and build all our members to the stature of jesus christ as best we can turn to second timothy the 4th chapter second <clears throat> timothy uh, the the 4th chapter verse 1 now the spirit oh that's first timothy 4 sorry 2 Timothy 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This apostle Paul is giving an exhortation to Timothy, who apparently was a little reticent and, of course, was trying to encourage him to be more bold and to have more faith. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And it's, uh you know, Dr. Meredith, Dr. Wernale, and I, and others, uh, Mr. Amen at headquarters, continually get all these weird doctrinal ideas that are Some of them aren't even attached to the tree. Some are just the twigs, but some are some foreign tree not even attached to the tree that has the trunk of truth. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they want to heap upon themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned away to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So God's church continues to preach the word, to feed the flock, and to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. So how can you support this mission? Well, obviously responding to that teaching, which you're doing. It is very encouraging to see the teamwork and the love among the brethren here in this congregation and many other congregations around the world. So read the Living Church News. That's how you can support this particular mission of feeding the flock. Subscribe to our Internet commentaries and access any one of our almost 600 sermons that I believe we have now archived on our website. And you can do a search uh, on our website and come up with any particular topic of which you're interested. So access our sermons or telecast on the website and determine this week to study the Tomorrow's World Bible Study course, if you haven't done that. Dr. Meredith gave a very inspiring sermon called The Stature of Christ, which was based on Ephesians 4, verse 15. And yes, we are to help the brethren come to the stature of Jesus Christ as best we can. That we are conformed to his image, that we have his nature, his, his attitude, his thoughts, his character. So number three is feed the flock and build all our members to the stature of Jesus Christ as best we can. Number four, be examples to the church of God and to the world of Christ's way of life. Let's turn to 1st Timothy, the fourth chapter, 1st Timothy 4. Apparently Timothy was a young man. And so the Apostle Paul gives him this instruction, First Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That's a profound responsibility to be that kind of an example. Now, in our travels in uh, England last summer, we uh, stopped at a, a petrol station, as you call it there, and here were five video cameras just looking at the uh, at the cars there. Throughout London and many of the major cities now, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of video cameras are putting out uh, in the city so that if you were to walk through the city, you would be spotted Uh, on video dozens of times, you you would be spotted. They're doing that, of course, for security reasons. But it makes you realize that whatever you do, whatever you think, it isn't always going to be done in secret. You can't get away with it, in other words. And um, maybe I should mention this, but uh, along with the Republican campaigns, now that is the candidates for um, the Republican nomination, uh, have even assigned opposition researchers who will go through the opponents candidates life they will spend thousands and thousands of dollars examining every speech every writing every email of their opponent to try to find out something that is not good about their opponent just incredible but I, it just illustrates that you need to understand that we are the light of the world, and that everything we say and do can be seen by someone. You think, well, it's in the dark. Well, of course, God sees in the dark. Let's turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew 5. But our examples can be positive as well. They can have an, an influence that is positive on the lives of children, of strangers, of family, friends. Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, of course, Jesus warned us not to uh, be like the Pharisees who just try to display all their good works in public. But if you're doing natural service in public, you can't help but be seen, as Jesus is saying here. There are, of course, secret alms that you do that God says He'll reward you openly. But if you're doing what's right, if you're serving, you see the needs of helping, you'll set the right example. People see you more than you think remember the bumper sticker that says, do random acts of kindness. And uh, I know people have done me. I hope it wasn't random. Maybe it was purposeful. Uh, you know, kindness is to me. How many kindnesses did you do for others this past week? How would you react if God showed you a video of every foolish thing you did last week and every kind deed of service you performed last week? Well, we have to, again, monitor ourselves and do the best we can and make sure that Christ is living his life in us and we are bearing that fruit. As Jesus said in John 15, verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that we bear much fruit. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter. 1 Corinthians 16, How can you be examples to the church of God and to the world and of Christ's way of life? of course, by practicing God's way of life and bearing the fruits of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. That's how you can be an example to the world. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, And that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Here the Apostle Paul is commending someone who was devoted to the ministry of the saints. In the King James Version, it uses the word addicted to the ministry of the saints. New King James changed it to devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. So how can you support this Mission number four this week, that is, be examples to the church of God and to the world and of Christ's way of life. We'll pray that you can be a light to the world and to the church. We really, as I said before, have a very good team here. You are serving, you are helping, and you'll see that tonight in the fun show. It takes a team effort to put on this extensive program that we'll see tonight, and we appreciate those who are serving and uh, performing as well that have worked hard to prepare for this occasion. Be alert to serving others. That's how you can fulfill this mission and uh, this service. I've told you before, you know, sometimes someone drops something. You know, am I alert enough to try to pick it up as soon as it's, it's dropped? If I don't have both hands full, I'll try to do that. And some of you have done the same as well. You just see, what is this opportunity of service? If it's the most menial of tasks, I will do it. We think of the foot washing service as part of the Passover. We main, maintain that attitude of a servant all week long. How else can you support this mission? By fulfilling your Christian responsibilities as a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter. What are my responsibilities as a son or a daughter? Am I going to honor my father and mother this week? And how can I honor my father and mother this week? Fulfill your biblical responsibilities daily. And again, reach out to friends and relatives Remember, your example this coming week may have a positive effect on someone in the white throne judgment. And I've mentioned that in the last Great Day sermons. When I think of my cousins, uh, 2009, uh, we were able to visit. I was able to visit in uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, seven of my first cousins, one of my second cousins, uh, four of their spouses, and a boyhood friend that I grew up with. And you think, well, they're not in a church. They they don't uh, understand God's truth. But when they come up in the white throne judgment, will they remember and they see me glorified there with the rest of the saints? And they remember, oh, yeah, there's Cousin Dick up there. What's he doing there? You know, they hope that something I would have had a positive effect on them somehow in my life. Because whatever you do in this lifetime may have... An eternal effect in the white throne judgment may have an influence on those who see you when they are resurrected. So some, again, have the courage to stand up for the truth in exemplifying God's way of life. And we need to be able, as it says in 1 Peter 3:15, to always be ready to give an answer or a defense to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. So we need to stand up for the truth. And some of our teen athletes have demonstrated the courage to not compete or perform on the Sabbath or Holy Days. They are fulfilling this mission of setting an example. Number four, be examples to the church of God and to the world of Christ's way of life. Number five, learn and practice servant leadership in all our dealings with others. God is training all of us to be leaders, and we learn to lead... By demonstrating, we can follow the leader. And remember the qualities of true leaders. They are humble. We know Numbers 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who are on the face of the earth. Leaders have integrity. They are honest. They keep their word. True leaders also esteem others better themselves. As we've read recently in Philippians 2, verse 3, "...let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself, or value others better than yourself." You understand that that individual, whether he's a beggar on the street, has the potential of being in the family of God as a glorified spirit being. You understand every human being is precious in God's sight, that's from Dr. Meredith's co-worker letter a couple years ago. Realize that every human being is precious in God's sight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That awesome sacrifice was for every human being on the face of the earth. True servant leaders have initiative. They see things that need to be done and do them without being told. I taught one of the summer educational program lessons along that line. We had a summer educational program in Oro, Minnesota. We would have a class in Christian teaching, Christian living, and uh, I'd have the the classroom was a little in disarray. Uh, The lights were off, there was writing on the blackboard, the chairs were all uh, disorganized, and So they all come in, and I said, uh, after we started a class, okay, any of you see anything that needs to be done? Oh, yes, the light needs to be turned on. Okay, you camper, go ahead and turn on a light. The blackboard needs to be erased. Okay, you go ahead and erase the blackboard. Uh, All these chairs need to be put in order. Okay, you two men, you two boys, put those chairs all in order. Now, they were told to do that. But leaders see what needs to be done and do it without being told. That's one of the values or very wonderful characteristics of true servant leaders. They perceive needs and they fulfill those needs. And, uh, of course, when we go through the airports, it's marvelous, it's amazing to me how a mother with three children, shes she's got one uh, in her arms, she's pulling a... A suitcase on wheels and two other toddlers. How how is this woman managing with three children to have her suitcase and go through the airport and and go from you know point A to point B? And sometimes you can help people that have needs, and you offer that help. You perceive needs and you fulfill those needs. True servant leaders have the big picture. They know. Matthew 6:33 to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. They know that God is in charge of their lives and that He rules the universe. And they know that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. They know that the kingdom of God is coming on this earth, and we're going to have a glorious Sabbath of a thousand years. And we can have a part in that and prepare for it, as we heard in the sermonette, to prepare to be those teachers and Servants and kings and priests. So how can we support this mission number five? Pray for opportunities to serve others. Pray for a humble attitude to show honor and respect towards others. And to love your enemies, as Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 44. You can also practice courtesy in your language and your attitude towards others. We have a sermon number 630, encourage one another. Number five is learn and practice servant leadership in all our dealings with others. Number six is to restore apostolic Christianity and all that this implies. We've now changed the booklet title to restoring original Christianity and all that that implies. Well, how can you fulfill that particular mission? Original Christianity obeyed God in Christ. The attitude of obedience was obvious and extremely important. I saw that, as Peter said, that God gives the Spirit to those who obey Him. I think that's Acts 5.32. We saw earlier in the parable of the talents and the minors that the wicked, lazy servant was disobedient. Original Christianity understood the new covenant. Not only do we keep the letter of the law in practicing God's form of Organization and service. We also, of course, keep the spirit of the law, and God writes His laws on our hearts and minds. I we were talking, I guess, the other day about one individual who was a colleague of mine in our former association who realized the church was going off track, and then later on he had this uh, epiphany, and uh, he changed totally, went 180 degrees. I was listening to one of his sermons, and he was reading through Hebrews the 8th chapter, or Hebrews 10, talking about the New Covenant. And he skipped over the wording which said that God will write his laws on our hearts and on our minds. He skipped over that verse. He was going to say, oh, no, we we don't want God's laws on our hearts and on our minds. Right? As he's trying to preach the false doctrine or this perversion of the New Covenant in his sermon. Just so sad. Original Christianity practiced God's government, and we're learning to practice God's forms of government and organization. We're working as a team, as a family, loving one another, serving one another, and praying for one another. Original Christianity fulfilled the Great Commission, and with God's help, we're doing the same. So how can you fulfill mission number six this week? Ask God to fill you with His Spirit. First Timothy 6 1 Timothy 1, verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, Ephesians 5. Again, should be a part of our daily thinking, because once we're baptized and have received God's Holy Spirit... Then we need to make sure that we're stirring it up, as Paul told Timothy in verse 1 Timothy 1 and verse 6. Here in Ephesians 5, verse 18, he says, "...be not drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord." giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So if you're filled with God's Spirit, those characteristics, those fruits are going to be manifest. Singing with joy in your heart, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and responding to the needs of others, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We can also fulfill that mission by meditating on God's law day and night as we restore apostolic and original Christianity. Read the book of Acts where you can understand the history and the characteristics and the nature of original Christianity. And then also... Read Dr. Meredith's booklet on restoring original Christianity. Number six is restore apostolic Christianity and all that this implies. Number seven, build an atmosphere of radiant faith within God's church. I believe, brethren, as we as a congregation, as a church around the world, are growing in faith. We are exercising faith daily, particularly as we draw closer to God in prayer. And as we tremble before the Word of God, as it tells us in Isaiah 66 and verse 2, we grow in faith as we practice the body of faith that we embrace and we believe in our lives day by day. Let's turn to Romans 10 verse 7. It's a memorization verse, just a one simple principle here in one word, but I'd like you to turn to it and to underline it and to let it help you understand how to grow in radiant faith. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And Again, there are those who don't hear, who don't listen, who don't respond. You know, one simple test... Is have you read Dr. Meredith's latest coworker letter? Have you are you listening to where Christ is leading? Are you listening to God's word and looking up the scriptures if you're unfamiliar with them in that particular letter and responding to it? And looking at the scriptures and reading it daily. Hebrews 11 uh, is the faith chapter. <clears throat> I won't read through too much of that, but just to emphasize one particular section. Of course, verse 6, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. And you know the power and the glory and the omnipotence and the, let's say, the infinite nature of God. It is beyond our understanding. It is incredible to think about who and what God is. I think of just our, our cats, You know, here's Callie the cat. And what is she doing? She licks her paw, and then she grooms herself. How did that happen by evolution? (laughs) Did God design Callie the cat to to groom herself? All the other characteristics of animals and plants and just infinite variety of God's creation. It's just mind-boggling. It's awesome. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and you know who and what God is. He's the creator, the lawgiver, the lifegiver, the sustainer, the designer, the one who fulfills prophecies and answers prayers, the eternal who heals, the father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, the one who rules supreme, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort the great educator of the universe, and our Father. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently, who diligently seek him. Yes, that's how we can build an atmosphere of radiant faith within God's church. And then verse 13, we know that those who've died in the faith, we can have no greater statement of our life If we have died in the faith, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them. Have you embraced all the promises of God and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth? Yes, we seek a homeland that is God's coming kingdom. So how can you support mission number seven to build an atmosphere of radiant faith within God's church? Read and mark your Bible. Meditate on the principles and the examples of faith. Read about Abraham here in verse 17 and Moses in verse 23 and how the walls of Jericho came down in verse 3, verse 30. So listen again to sermons on faith. You have living faith, number 588, faith for healing, um, number 676, and grow in faith by Dr. Meredith, number 684. So you can fulfill that purpose, that mission, by being filled with God's Spirit, as we mentioned earlier. And then also, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, Christ's faith, that is, the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's that intimate relationship again. So pray, brethren, for the gift of faith and live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, loved you, and gave himself for us. Pray for the faith of Christ. Number seven was build an atmosphere of radiant faith within God's church. God's work is a work of faith. And thank God for all of you are men, women, and children of faith. In today's sermon, we've discussed your incredible mission, which is also our incredible mission. We've discussed seven goals, seven missions. Number one, preach the gospel of the kingdom in the true name of Jesus Christ. Number two, preach the end-time prophecies and the Ezekiel warning to the Israelitish peoples. Number three... Feed the flock and build all our members to the stature of Jesus Christ as best we can. Number four, be examples to the church of God and to the world of Christ's way of life. Number five, learn and practice servant leadership in all our dealings with others. Number six, restore apostolic Christianity or original Christianity and all that this implies. And number seven, build an atmosphere of radiant faith within God's church. I've challenged you to choose one of these missions, and then with God's help that you'll concentrate this week to support that mission with commitment and with zeal. The world is full of dedicated fools and fanatics. They have evil purposes and missions with malice. Our mission is not physical war, but spiritual peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, For they shall be called the children of God. We are called to fulfill the greatest missions ever given to human beings. Christ has given the church the great commission and other missions to fulfill. God is looking for faithful servants. He's looking for dedicated servants, committed servants. He's looking for humble and responsive servants. God is looking for servant leaders who know their mission and who are zealous to fulfill that mission. Dr. Meredith concludes his article on the purpose of the church with these exhortations. Again, why are we here, he writes. What is God's work and our commission all about? I hope that the above explanation will help and inspire all of us to understand why we exist and what we ought to be doing as the living church of God. Let us then move ahead on all fronts and honor God and our Savior Jesus Christ as we zealously fulfill these vital elements of the Great Commission. Please study, meditate, and pray about these points and ask God to help you build them into your daily lives so that this work of God may go forward with zeal and power as never before. End of quote. So brethren, will you strive this week to fulfill the sevenfold commission? Choose one or more of the goals of those sevenfold missions and make a commitment. And Christ will help you to succeed in that mission abundantly as you choose to fulfill the sevenfold mission and your personal mission in life. Are you on a mission? Let's rejoice that God has called us into the body of Christ to fulfill his work and his will. And remember Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Brethren, know your incredible mission and fulfill it.